choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes, set the foundation for your success, get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. All right. Hey, well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Um, you got with you today, uh, the Knucklehead. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, when you got two Marines together, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce this guy as a Marine because I want to claim him as one of my own. I know he's a SEAL. I know he's a, he is Mike Sorelli. He is, um, he is the American badass uh, in certain circles. It just depends on who you ask. But, but this is Mike Sorelli, founder of Vetted, uh, president and CEO of EF Overwatch. A, uh, quite frankly, he's, he's an American hero. There's no other way to say it. He won't tell you that, so I will. Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Dude, thank you for having me. Stoked. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So you've got a t-shirt on there called Vetted. And you and I are just were talking right before the show about, uh, well, first of all, why Knucklehead Podcast even exists. Um, and there was, there was probably a gap in this transition, you getting out of the military that, you know, you started to identify an opportunity. Um, for those of you who are listening that don't know who Mike is, Mike, tell us a little bit about you and then tell us a little bit about how, uh, how you transitioned out of military. We'll go back to your military service here in just a second, but I want to hear about vetted and the genesis of that, if that's all right with you. Okay, you know, great question. So, you know, on my last tour in the military, uh, right around the 18-year mark, uh, I was stationed at the University of Texas as a Navy ROTC instructor. I was also getting my MBA from UT McCombs on the side. Um, you know, the war by this point, it's 2016, has pretty much uh, ended in Afghanistan, of course, it's over in Iraq. Um, and uh, I'm sitting there getting my MBA, prepping myself for my transition. I just had this feeling of guilt, like I'm leaving my boys behind. And, and you know the esprit de corps that we have in the Marine Corps of the SEALs. And um, watching a lot of my brothers, who are some of the most resilient, intelligent, articulate, competent Americans I've ever met, uh, struggle with the transition. I'm like, this is just wrong on so many levels. And had a conversation with uh, you know, General Tony Kukulo. He was a vice chancellor at the University of Texas at the time. And then, of course, my old boss, Admiral Leo McRaven. Like the, the whole issue of the transition didn't sit with us well. So I sort of walked myself into a personal challenge. And they said, well, look into it, lad. And um, got a team of about 15, 20 vets in the McCombs Business School. And we put together an independent research project to look into the problems with the transition. We, uh, you know, great uh, research project. We identified uh, some systemic challenges. And then really the work came after that. They said, okay, then identify a solution to that. I got to say, yeah, that's where I got to stop. Yeah. So we, we, we kind of initiated this whole trip down memory lane to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, it, with a knucklehead. So knucklehead. Knucklehead is something where you, 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 can't, be, you can't be afraid of the challenge. You got to be out there and willing to you know, look like a dumbass to a certain extent and just kind of bite off more than you can chew. I got to ask you, is there any point like in this whole process where you're like, I'm way in over my head here. I, I don't know how or why I decided to do this, but for some reason, I, yeah, I'm sure. Let's let's just go ahead and tackle this challenge, dude. Um, I I bit off much more than I I, I could chew. Like, you, <laughs> I the, love the it. was good. I'm like, hey, if I can set up my my, my brothers for success with a middle market solution that just didn't exist, yeah. like I'm gonna do it. And then really, having never been in the business world, uh, but yet applying all the leadership principles I learned in the military and mission planning preparation. Yep. Uh, the military decision-making processes, we say, I just jumped in. Um, but I'll tell you what, at one point, I had dumped over $80,000 in debt to stand this up. And uh, while I'm 
undergoing the fundraising, which we eventually got there. And uh, at one point I had $89 in my bank account as a Lieutenant commander uh, in the Navy. And uh, I remember I called a friend, a former CEO of a company, self-made man, who's a, a mentor and I was just in tears. He's like, dude, let me loan you money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll get through this. Um, but there were some low times standing this up and uh, it's doing well. It's going to grow. We're close to VA certifications through the University of Texas. Once yeah. we have those, I can now scale this across the nation to other MBA programs. And um, it's sustainable because the you know veterans are using their GI Bill to, uh, to fund the education. All right. So there's two paths, right? So I'm, I'm quasi familiar with the, uh, the process, the program, one, because I've talked with you about this. However, not everybody's going to be up to speed or up to snuff on these two paths that exist. And I, I kind of want to stick into this trend of two paths because we're about ready to jump to your time in the military and kind of some of what you've seen in the veteran community in terms of two paths. But vetted specifically, two paths, what are they or are they multiple paths or how does this work in terms of how people, you know, yeah. figure so- out? From the research that we did, we, you know, we identified that veterans, uh, in terms of financial intelligence, are extremely low. It's not because we're not competent. It's because we have a very different set of tools that we use within our job, which is very meticulous. If I took a, a financial or an investment banker to come watch how we planned for a major operation in Afghanistan, they would be like, wow, how did you guys learn all this? Um, well... We, we don't have the business acumen that they do because they've been in their respective trenches. So what we did is we identified, um, we created a two-month executive education course that can be run within top MBA programs to give the financial acumen, to give the business acumen to these outstanding leaders coming out of the military so that they can finally succeed in the, uh, the private sector. Right. Uh, really, we focus those that want to go to sort of into business. They don't want to start their own business. They want to go into a corporate role or a small to medium business. As a leader, that, that track is probably the, uh, the one that's more common. And then ultimately for the, the vets that just want to start their own businesses, we have an entrepreneurship track. And out of our first cohort, we started five startups, our, our, uh, co- our, our candidates out of the, uh, the first cohort. So amazing results. Uh, now it's on us to, to get these VA certifications so that this thing is, is sustainable. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what programs are for. And you've got some great people in place to... Uh, essentially to help because um, I mean everybody who's been a who's been in the transition or knows somebody who's uh, you know who's gone through a transition without belaboring the point it's a it's a bureaucratic system and, and within bureaucratic systems there's there's essentially a struggle between the execution piece planning but then the operational implementation that becomes a very difficult thing to do especially when you have somebody who has a choice to not do something that's probably very beneficial for them in the military you're not necessarily I mean you're you're kind of held accountable, but you're not really held accountable if you don't perform at par or above, or excuse me, if you exceed past your peers. You know, you're encouraged to be the best of the best, but hey, listen, let's be honest. It, it, Pareto's principle still applies. Whether mm-hmm. or not people actually decide to go out there and kick tail and take names, that's still up to them. They're exposed when they don't in the real world. That's, that's the hard part. Yeah, I love how you use the world, the, 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 the words real world. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to the audience... Uh, in a combat zone, that's as real as it gets. The yep. risk of life and death in the business world, it's uh, loss of money uh, and possibly a job. 100%. But um, no, you, I've got to say that I've got a lot of respect for the business world uh, because you're operating in an environment with limited resources, especially if you're in a startup room. Uh, you know, we had the probably largest support system behind us in the military. Thank you to the taxpayers 
for allowing me to jump out of airplanes and, and, and do all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but when you lose that, uh, it's, it's a wake up call that, Oh man, I've got to change the way I operate and I've got to be much more, uh, you know, uh, diligent with the resources that I have available to myself, which are limited. Well, what you're, what you're talking about, uh, to be honest with you, it kind of surfaces up reasons why somebody without training, uh, without quite frankly, lowering their ego to take information in, um, you really highlighted a lot of reasons why uh, a lot of vets screw up or they make the, they take the easy way. Uh, we were just talking before the show. We describe these two paths as one is victimhood and the other one is <clears throat> Victor, or they decide to, to take it upon themselves to leverage information to go out and make better decisions or iteratively take the next steps to, uh, to progress their careers or, or however you want to creatively say it's a different path other than victimhood, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a significantly different path. So Let's talk about a time where you could have gone down the victimhood path, but you decided not to. Or do you have a do you have a scenario where you know somebody that went down the victimhood path and you wish that they didn't? You know, it, I'll say I'm I'm going to speak in generalities here. That you know, we, we again we were talking before yeah. we, we started filming this was it, it's probably like a sixty forty split. Maybe that's even be generous. Maybe it's like a seventy thirty split of vets that choose the victimhood path. And then, you know, once they're getting, uh, they've gotten 10 no's in a row, they just sit on their mom's couch or, or the, their couch in the apartment and complain about how the system broke, how there's, uh, you know, uh, prejudice against veterans, uh, be that as it may, um, you know, it doesn't uh, negate you from getting out there and just getting after it. Uh, we chose a very noble path. And yes, the transition is hard, but it's all about mindset. It's all about when you come out and you need to prepare yourself. That means that when you get discharged or retire, if you need to take two months to get your mind right, do it. Do it. Or, you know, if you're a little more diligent, start planning for your transition or your exit from the military at least, at least one year out to get your mind right. It is rough. You're probably going to get a hundred no's before you get that one yes. But do not forget what you learned in the military. Resiliency is as many times as you get knocked down. Just get back up, learn from it, apply it to the next interview until you get that yes. Or if it's in the entrepreneurial space, starting a business, oh man, it's, it's rough. Entrepreneurship is sexy at first glance, but I'm going to tell you, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And yeah, uh, I just had the fortunate pleasure of having a dad who was an entrepreneur, oh, wow. uh, uh, lending me some advice and saying, hey, stick with it. You've got some rough times ahead. And, well, talk, uh, talk about that for a second. Yeah. So a lot of guys in the military, depending upon, I guess, what they're, you know, whether they go the officer route or enlisted route, right? So I went the enlisted route, uh, could have gone the officer route and submitted a package to MESEP, did the whole, you know, understood. But quite frankly, I, I realized that um, there was a limitation to the path that I chose. However, <clears throat> I wish it was very well calculated and thought out in terms of my exit from the military. It was more emotional than what it was calculated. Yeah. Now, now, understanding both of those things weighed heavily, heavily into how hard it was getting out. But the relationship that you had with your, with your, uh, with your dad or your influence going in, talk a little bit about why you decided to go into military, if you don't mind me asking. You know, this is probably the most common answer. So I, I don't come from uh, any military lineage. Of course, my grandfather served in World War II, so did everyone's grandfather. Sure. Um, my, my old man um, was drafted in, in Vietnam. He fortunately did not have to go to Vietnam. He had a unique skill. He was really good at football, so he played for a base football team. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, base uh, football team. Um, and he didn't have a good experience. That was a very different army back then. Uh, but honestly, 
I, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, the military got a hold of me from the movies and propaganda. And I honestly was just, I think at a young age, I'm like, I want to do that. Sure. And I remember if you, uh, if you remember uh, distinctly, there was a poster for the Marine Corps a recruiting poster. It says, we do not promise you a Rose garden. And it had a drill instructor yelling at a, uh, a recruit. I mean, what organization basically recruits by saying our product sucks and we don't think you have what it takes. And I was the dumb, like 16, 17 year old that fell for that. And I'm like, sign me up for the Marine Corps, the few, the proud, the Marines. Yeah. And, um, a non-traditional path from usually, uh, you know, where I came from, but I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. And even in the movies, the one thing that reinforces this brotherhood and that's what I wanted. Did you find, <clears throat> did you find that you had a difficult time, um, connecting with or relating to folks that didn't, that didn't have that same respect for camaraderie or brotherhood, uh, what would during your time in? You're talking about other veterans? Yeah. Oh, well, even other guys, whenever you're other service members, other other guys or girls that were, you know, that just seemed to kind of have their chip on the shoulder about this, you know, you know, against the establishment, so to speak. Or they, you know, they didn't really want to respect the rules or uh, time-honored traditions that we had in the military. They just wanted to kind of go do their own thing, right? They never really adapted. You know, there's like a failure to adapt that you can get. However, they kind of sought after individual contributor type roles in the military, right? They didn't, they didn't go after these uh, kind of platoon level positions. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you know what? I, I would say I was pretty tenacious, not probably some of my best leadership uh, moments, but the second I saw that a, uh, you know, a man or a woman, brother and sister in arms was not a team player. I would just hone in. And here's the thing. Peer pressure is, uh, is a great tool to where you can pressure them to either get become part of the team or quickly find themselves on the sidelines doing another job. Um, as you said, an individual contributor. And yeah. so uh, they had a decision to make, get on board, start training, be a team member or out. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you find that there was a lot of similarities between, you know, your time as a, as a recon Marine and, and then transitioning and, and going uh, the SEAL route after, uh, I guess, after school? Oh yeah, ab absolutely, man. Um, I, you know, I think recon Marines are cut from the same cloth as, uh, as SEALs. Um, the cultures are vastly different, which I, I really did enjoy the, uh, the SEAL community. One of the things that people love, as I say, we, within the SEAL community, we, we really bred a uh, healthy disrespect for authority in meaning that, you know, we expected, regardless of your rank in the SEAL teams, to pipe up if something didn't seem smart and to actually voice your dissent for certain plans. Um, and, and that takes a lot of humility as a leader. Uh, to listen to everyone saying, hey, you know, Mike, uh, I know you just briefed that. Uh, that is really stupid. Can you explain why we're doing that? And then help me uh, adjust the plan. So that was really unique and it took a lot of, uh, of patience, but um, I think it's what stood or at least makes the SEALs very unique in that sense where in Marine Corps, uh, as you know, sometimes dissent was not always uh, uh, well-received. Yeah. yeah. Well-received, welcomed. Um, there was a lot of leader opportunity for, for uh, development there, so to speak. That, and, and, uh, and that said, Stephen, like, here's the thing is like, people ask me like, what, what service is the, the, the best led hands down the Marine Corps. And that's yeah. what the, the tradition war, the, the Marine Corps does a very good job of taking a boy or a girl off the street and turning them into you, to a man and a woman, to a United States Marine, a professional. That's a very clear distinction. So, um, it's good that you, it's good that you prefaced it that way. One for, you know, we share the common experience of having gone through boot camp, right? And understanding what that transition is like, but 
the analogy that I like to communicate to folks is, hey, listen, I'm just a knuckle dragon Marine. I'm just, you know, I'm this knuckleheaded guy who uh, can communicate to folks and sell and, and talk to, you know, relate to people. However, let's not, let's not get it confused. Most of the guys that I was in the Marine Corps with were 18, 19 years old. And quite frankly, their mom was still making their bed the week before they came to boot camp. And here I am supposed to be feeling safe on uh, the firing line at a rifle range, knowing that a left and right lateral limit, if, if that muzzle starts to engage me, that I've trusted the guy behind me is going to grab it from them and, and make sure that, you know, everybody's going to be okay. And those high pressure situations that you're put in, in boot camp. I mean, quite frankly, to your point a little bit earlier about, you know, being out there uh, on the battlefield, there's, there's some situations where some of the best decisions or some of the most incredible heroic decisions were made by those same 18, 19, 20 year old folks. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and you use the uh, the term knuckle knuckle dragon now, Marine. Uh, I don't think there's any better accolade than that. Yeah. If I could stand up, and quite frankly, my EF Overwatch team is made of predominantly you know special operations guys, all very senior enlisted. If I could stand up a team, and I had a bunch of knucklehead Marines, there isn't anything that we can't do. None of us will ever be the smartest man or woman in the room. Will not be the most articulate, but together we will identify solution all rowing in the same direction to accomplish that mission. And that's why I put a precedence on unity, um, you know, over diversity is that, you know, you give me people with the right mindset. That's a team that, that is a team I want to be a part of. hundred percent. Well, you know, uh, part of, uh, part of, uh, knucklehead is simply this. There's not one of us that has the, the answer for everything. And in today's world, right. And I'm sure you run into this in the business world, talking with folks, traveling, doing these musters uh, that you do with, uh, with Echelon Front. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you deal with, or, and I don't want to put you on the spot. You don't have to get specific here, but let's talk about those guys who are the, the experts. Those guys who are like, listen, let me tell you all the accomplishments that I've had in my career and all of the things that I've done. And they do it not necessarily in a helpful tone, in a helpful manner. They, they talk about um, you know, a, a situation where they have the, they, listen, if you apply this framework and this framework is, you can solve any problem that's out there. And it's like, well, hold on for a second. You mean that, that tactic of, of um, you know, telephone call? You mean to tell me that if you're, if you're trying to create more revenue that, uh, that I can't do sales calls anymore or, you know, I need to transition my entire sales strategy to be inbound marketing lead? You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't really make sense. However, they have a solution for everything. How do you deal with that? Or how do you engage with some of that in a situation, like in a consultant situation that you're in? You, you know what you do? You put your ego in check. It, people are people and we're all flawed. I, I think, uh, what was it? Willie Nelson that said, let people be pe people. It's their greatest strength. So if you have somebody with ego that thinks they have the right answer to everything, one, I'll put my ego in check and I'll listen. Like, what does this person know that I don't know? Maybe they do have one nugget, uh, with their framework of how to solve these problems. I might learn something, but other than that, I can put my ego in check. I can placate to their ego and eventually make them part of the team. And you just know, you need to know how to deal with people of all sort of, uh, of types. And, and, you know, I don't like speaking in absolutes, like, Hey, I have the answer to anything. I have the answer to very little. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to make a whole lot of mistakes. Like I'm making with my company every day, but as long as we keep trucking, as long as we have grit, we're going to figure this out together. Um, so yeah, be very careful. If you stand on a high, you know, high pedestal, you will usually fall the furthest. You, you will usually fall the hardest. So uh, just, just be cautious with that. No, I love that. I love that. So those who fall the fastest and the hardest, yeah. um, in a lot of cases, they have, 
they quite frankly have the most to lose. In some cases, they don't have much to lose at all. All they have to do is just just lower their ego a little bit. I, I love how Jocko talks about it. I can't reference a specific, but you know, in his book Extreme Ownership, I know he's come out with a. Actually, he's come out with another one recently. And then on top of that, wait, aren't you writing a book or something like that, or did I just make? <laughs> no. Um, well, it was titled "How I Won the War Single Handedly." Oh, but, uh, it got didn't it. get up. I got so, it. I, I see it. Well, you, you know, I'll tell you what, man. Um, talk about lucky working with guys like Jocko and Leif, my former teammates, sure. uh, in the SEAL team, and JP Dinell and Dave. Like, dude, I I actually landed in like paradise this is this is the 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 perfect sort of uh company for me and um Leif and Jocko are just amazing writers amazing I do not have that gift I wish I did I'm still working on it um but you know they've laid out the strategy for echelon front and echelon front overwatch and uh right now we're all smiles we have a lot of work to do but again you look at the team that we've built it's going to be awesome. It, the, you know, yeah, it's going to be real awesome. I'm excited. Uh, that is exciting. Well, one, um, been to a muster. So I can say test from a testimony standpoint, uh, communicating with the type of individuals that are attracted that in, to that information. It's, it's a great place. Uh, I heard somebody say not too long ago. I think it was last night. I was talking to this guy and he was talking about how, you know, you can really could have put a four 10 X on what your effort is. But when you, when you actually put two people together that think alike, I mean, you can accomplish 10,000 times what yeah. you can accomplish on your own. And so you, you imagine that entire environment, y'all, it's like a powerhouse. I, I really encourage folks to, um, you know, it, it's, it does cost a little bit. However, it's a very, very um, significant investment if you look at what you can accomplish on the back end. And we also have a secret weapon within uh, Echelon Front. His name is Flynn Cochran. Oh. You talk about... Uh, now this this guy is probably he is undoubtedly the smartest guy uh, on our team. You know, Navy SEAL. Well, he was a surface warfare officer in the Navy, switched over to SEALs, then went to Harvard, McKinsey, and uh, he's the chief strategy officer of uh, of Echelon Front. And uh, actually, they just created EF Online. Um, so EFOnline.com, which is basically wow. extreme ownership, the content within about you know it's self paced. Uh, anywhere from like four to 10 hours, depending on uh, how quickly and they update the content. This has been Flynn's sort of uh, brainchild and we're excited to see it launch in the, uh, we all went out to Utah where we filmed the content. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, when does it come out? Is it, is it accessible or? It's, it's, it's live www.efonline, all one word.com. Okay. All right. So for all you, again, we're talking to Michael Dragon Marines in some cases. So, Make sure that you go back and listen to the podcast a little bit slower. Take it off at two times speed and put it on half yes. and Mike writes, yes. it writes it back down. All right. So Mike, how can people get in touch with you? Let's, uh, let's, let's put a bow on this and let, let people know how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, you know, for veterans looking to transition, let me, let me make it clear. So EF right. Overwatch, uh, we are the premier special operations forces and combat aviator talent acquisition firm. Those are our two primary talent pools. Here's the thing. There's a lot of soft guys that I won't place, that I won't put my name on because they don't have the right mindset. Maybe they're entitled, whatever reason. I've placed a lot of veterans that aren't from the special operations community, much like yourself, Stephen, that just have the right mindset and want to get after it. And they want to be future leaders in the private sector. So if you have that mindset, we'll help you out. Um, even if we can't place you through our company, you will be better off 
ready for the interviews. And even if you find a job through your, you know, another service or your own uh, hard work, dude, that makes us happy. So uh, I can be reached at Mike at EFOverwatch.com. You know, if I don't have an answer, I will point you in the direction, which is usually 90% of the time of somebody that does. And uh, if we can help, just let us know. And for companies looking for veterans, I mean, the data is there. Like companies that hire veterans that have a truly, truly robust uh, hiring program for veterans, their metrics outperforms other companies within their industries, hands down. Yeah, yeah you've noticed that. I've witnessed that. Um, you know, there's, there is a, uh, whenever there's a current going one direction, veterans can get on that current if we're all on the same sheet of music. Actually, they try to uh, help reorient that current in some cases, and in some cases it doesn't always work out. I'm just saying that it does happen. I can uh, I can personally attest to that in some cases. So <laughs> we'll adapt. Yeah, we'll overcome. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, Mike, uh, Mike Sorelli, uh, how do you spell your last name so folks know how exactly how to? How yeah, to do it's S A R R A I L L E. Oh, I love it. All right, Mike okay. Two R's, and two L's for those. Of you, you got it. You know, got it. That might even be too easy if I, if I maybe I can start. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, hey, guys, listen. Uh, you can listen to Knucklehead Podcast. Every Tuesday, we come out with a new episode. So you can only wait seven days. I mean, if you want to go back and curate some old material, check it out. I mean, or you can wait till next week. We're going to come out with a new one. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, or on Facebook. So we are on Twitter from time to time, but most of the time, we, you know, we're more responsive on those other platforms. So. Anyway, Mike, we appreciate your time, buddy. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a good rest of the day, man. All right, brother. Out of here.